we've got a movie-centric episode planned for you today. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about our earliest memories of going to the movie theater. Um, I'm going to start this week because for me, I still remember, I'm fairly certain it was Batman Returns, but like my brain keeps telling me that it was the original Batman, but watching it in the dollar movie theater that was in the Capital City Shopping Center, which is now, I don't know, a dollar store, I think. Uh, But anyway, that is like the earliest memory for me. Uh, I remember coming out of that movie, like being like super excited. um, And it was just, it was fantastic. And I think it explains a lot. Um, Lydia, what about you? See, I tried to think about this and the First thing that came to my mind was the old uh, theater that was on uh, the corner of South Grand and MacArthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was gone in 60 seconds that we went to see. And I was like six years old and not really paying attention. And I decided I was tired and the theater was empty because I think it was near the end of the run of the show being in theaters. And I just like spread myself out across like three or four different chairs because the armrest didn't like go down in between the chairs like they do now and fell asleep. Nice. Uh, Tabitha. Uh, so I remember a couple of movies like from a little bit earlier, but I don't actually remember the movie experience. My first remembrance of a movie experience was when I was 10 And my hometown did not have a movie theater. We had to drive at least 40 miles to a theater. Um, And the one we went to was in Harrisburg, which was this old, crappy, rundown theater. And most of the seats were broken. But also, tiny 10-year-old Tabitha was not very large. Um, I was tall for my age, which is ironic. And very, 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 very thin. And I could not hold the seat down and it kept closing me up. So I'm sitting there crying about the fact that I can't sit in the seat. And then that damn rhino scene with the storms from James the Giant Peach starts happening. And I'm 10, I am too old for this kind of action. And I start screaming bloody murder. Um, I'm there with Brittany and her mom and Brittany ends up having to sit in the same seat with me, with me essentially on her lap, just so I could sit without the chair sandwiching me while I'm crying about a fake rhinoceros. So I did not have a good experience with that movie, and it took me a long time to, to watch it without feeling traumatized. <laughs> Just picture me, like, sandwiched, screaming at a fake rhino. It's pretty much what happened. I mean, to be fair, I, that's how I normally picture you anyway. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, what about you? Uh, so my first actual memory of going to the theater um, also involves leaving the theater early during the movie <laughs> because I was small and I got scared and I made my dad take me home. Um, <laughs> to be fair, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but it was the original Ghostbusters um, and it was the library ghost. Mm. Um, when she, I was okay with her, like looking at the books, but when she turned and did her screaming, yelling thing, that scared me, made my dad take me out, uh, to the hallway. 
he tried to convince me to go back in and I would have none of it. So I made us go home. Um, so after that, I don't have a whole lot of theater memories as a kid, probably because my parents didn't want to spend the money if they were just going to leave halfway through. <laughs> so. <laughs> to be fair though, like I always am like, shocked at how like young kids like love Ghostbusters because like when I was like old enough to not be scared of Ghostbusters but still like young enough to you know whatever like I still was like that movie is like very scary like it's my not godson is a big fan and I don't understand why because like he's like someone has to go with me to the bathroom and I'm like you just did Two hours watching a horror movie. What do you mean someone has to go with you to the bathroom? <laughs> That's why someone has to go with him because he's scared from the movie, but he won't admit. No, he's scared of Godzilla throwing fireballs at the house. It's his new fear. I don't know. <laughs> he hasn't even seen Godzilla, but that's his new fear. I mean, to be fair though, that's a pretty that's a pretty valid. That's a legit fear, right? Yeah. I ain't mad <laughs> about it. <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Pickett. Uh, we are going to start tonight with Eric Anderson, a friend of the show and owner of 217 Comics, Cards, and Games. Uh, Eric, how's it going? Very good. How you doing, Mitch? Doing great, doing great. So, hey, you've got something pretty cool coming up next month. What is Nerd Month, Nerd Mart all about? So, it's our second annual one. It is uh, a kind of like a Comic-Con slash, uh, uh, oh, it's got toys, collectibles, everything. It's not just comics. Um, so, there's going to be a lot of different vendors that personalize and stuff. I think you can get personalized artwork. There will be uh, a lot of vintage toys, a lot of current stuff. Um, this is a lot of all-in-one things, so we can't really call it a Comic-Con, so we're calling it a Nerd Mart, and it's going to be outdoors again just to uh, uh, kind of help with uh, the COVID and all that kind of stuff so that it's a lot safer for uh, larger crowds and stuff to enjoy and uh, let us use a bigger space. Awesome. Uh, is there any kind of admission? No, it is completely free. I, I love free. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so where is it located? So it's going to be actually in our shopping center over at uh, 1820 Adlai Stevenson Drive in Springfield, Illinois. Awesome. Um, and what, uh, what time? So it's going to start at 8 a.m. and we'll go till probably 1 p.m. Hopefully it won't be too hot. Uh, weather will cooperate. Um, it's basically going to be like a sidewalk kind of sale thing. So each vendor will have their own setup um, out on the sidewalk. Um, underneath the awning and then we'll have plenty of parking for everybody there's the old uh, bowling alley across uh, the street there that everybody can park in um, and then we'll probably block off part of the our own parking lot for the vendors just depending on how many we have and then we'll actually have a food truck and everything uh, this time to uh, you know kind of make it a little bit more enjoyable for people Nice. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned that it's going to be outside. Are there any other kind of like COVID protocols that people need to know about before getting there? Um, we are, we would like everybody to wear a mask. Um, I know the CDC, I think recently said that, uh, 
you're not really required if you've had your vaccine to wear a mask outside, but uh, it's hard for us to tell who has and who hasn't. So we'd really like everybody to wear a mask. We will have uh, six foot distancing in between each vendor. We will have uh, hand sanitizer at each station. We ask people, you know, after going through um, before and after going through people's comics and stuff like that to please use uh, hand sanitizer and uh our store will be open indoor, so you will be required to wear a mask when going indoor uh, there, too. So, uh, yeah. Okay, awesome. Uh, now, there's also, it's not quite a cosplay contest, but you've got yep. a, a, a yeah. something going on with cosplay. What's that all about? So, we're going to have a competition. We I've worked with this group many times in, in uh, other towns, and we, at 1 o'clock, uh, we'll have a... Uh, costume cosplay competition uh winner will get a gift card to the store and i think uh uh also uh a gift card to the nerd mart um so that'll be fun um and, and it's just you know really i think it's so much fun to see people really get into it and uh get all dressed up for the comic cons and stuff so uh It'll be a lot of fun. I mean, it's really impressed me. I think last time we had like 20 people entered. Uh, I imagine this time we'll have a lot more. And I think our prizing is going to be a lot better too. So, Awesome. Uh, any other details about Nerd Mart that we haven't covered already? Uh, not that I can think of. Um, hopefully, we'll start uh, really pushing it uh, next week. Uh, I'm hopefully going to have more confirmation from other vendors who all's coming for sure. Uh, and we will uh, hopefully have more like specific details, exactly what products they're, they're going to be carrying and stuff like that. Obviously if you haven't been to our store, you know that we'll have a lot of, I mean, you can definitely check us online and stuff like that to see what we carry if you're from out of the area. But I know last time we had somewhere between 30 to 40 vendors. Hopefully we'll have that many, if not more. And uh, hopefully I'll have a lot more details when we uh, start pushing that next week. Um, but definitely, if you have questions or if you're a vendor wanting to uh, be at it, uh, DM the store, uh, 217comics.com, or uh, you can message us through Facebook or uh, Instagram. Sorry, Instagram. Yes. So you can message us through either of those applications, too, uh, if you have questions, or just call us direct. Okay. Phone, our phones do still work. So <laughs> Phones? What are those? <laughs> right? <laughs> So one last question, and it's not entirely uh, uh, devoted to Nerd Mart, but you've also got some changes to 217 Comics uh, just in general lately. Like, what's uh, what's been going on over there? So we expanded. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people, we, we've kind of been keeping on the down low. Uh, I really still got a lot of changes, and I don't want to let everything out until it's all done. But, yeah, we've added on uh, another 1,500 square foot of play space. So most of that now is all dedicated to play space just so we can social distance better um, and also to help us expand on our retail space. Uh, you know, we've been very successful through this COVID and um, just the hobbies have gotten so big lately that we've needed to be able to expand and we got that opportunity. So we definitely took advantage of it. Um, so, it, I mean, it's really uh, – due to all the uh, support we've gotten 
and uh, really appreciate it. So we were trying to make it a more enjoyable uh, environment for everybody and uh, really kind of separate the two out so that like when you're coming in to just purchase, you don't have that uh, distraction of events going on and things like that. And, and just to help us, you know, kind of social distance better. So. Yeah. And, and I know I said this to you when I was in there the other day, but man, it just, it looks so awesome already. And I can't wait to see, you know, the finished product and everything. So uh, one last time, uh, give us the, give us the who, what, when, where for, uh, for Nerd so, Mart. So uh, this is Eric with 217 Comics Cards Games. We are having Nerd Mart on May 23rd at 8 a.m. till 1 p.m. Uh, I imagine it might roll over, run over a little bit longer than that, just depending on how much success we have. Uh, obviously, the more success we have, the the more likely we are to do more of these events. Um, so I'm really excited. Uh, we're going to carry a lot of everything. Um, if it's something that we carry here in the store, the chances are we're going to have additional vendors that carry that same stuff, if not even better variety. Uh, it's a good chance to, to really go out. So if you enjoyed the Nerd Mart we did last uh, spring, this one's going to be even better. So really excited. Awesome. Yeah, I might... I might have to wake up early and get there right at eight o'clock, but I'm, I'm excited. So best of yeah. luck. Hey, thank you. Take care, Mitch. So like I said, we have uh, a lot of movies to talk about this week, but I, but I first want to talk about some uh, comic book reviews that we've got. Uh, the first one uh, I am actually stepping back from, cause I didn't get a chance to even crack open this book. It's Stitch in the Samurai. It's out now from Tokyo pop by, uh, Hiroto Wada and Lydia, I'm going to let you uh, describe the book and then also give your uh, opinions. Uh, I do this mostly because there is a stitch like I'm estimating five feet from you. Is it even that far away? Oh no, it's like our yeah. arm's distance. It, yeah, it's right here. There's also a stitch on my arm, so I mean, you know. Right. <laughs> he's kind of always there. Uh, <laughs> But no, this was a really cute manga. So basically, the premise of it is had Stitch ended up in Japan rather than Hawaii, but when he steals a ship, it like time jumps him. So it's early era, like samurai Japan, where he lands his spaceship right in the middle of this army going to take over like somebody else's land and this like brutal leader just all of a sudden is mesmerized by a fluffy little blue raccoon as he calls him and just calls off the whole thing to like figure out what stitch is and befriend stitch and it's super cute it instead of little bitty lilo you have this grown like almost monster of a man going, it's fluffy. I want to pet it. <laughs> like so much so that he like stops a war almost. So the whole book is just him befriending Stitch and then trying to help Stitch get his ship back running so he can go home because Stitch is homesick. It is a very different take on the whole Stitch thing. And it's kind of amusing sometimes how the art style of the traditional, like, Japanese manga does not match with Stitch. But it somehow works. And 
I cannot wait for the next one of these to come out. Like, I, even if I wasn't a huge Stitch fan already, which obviously I am, I would want to keep reading this. Also, I did, I had forgotten that apparently Disney man- mangas are a thing. So I need to go find the rest of them that are like previewed at the end of this book. <laughs> um, Tabitha and Matt, I know you said you read part of it. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? Let's start with Tabitha. Um, I'm like a little less than a hundred pages in and I'm enjoying it. Like I, I, again, I have a hard time with manga. Like my very organized brain is like, you're going the wrong way. Um, (laughs) but it's relatable though, because I also would stop a war for, even with my rage and anger would stop a war for a tiny, like tiny cute creature, even though he's like, it's a blue raccoon i'm like bruh this is in black and white what if i didn't know what stitch was how would i just know he was blue and how you told me anyway uh this is it's fun like the big samurai guy going gucci gucci goo like kind of made me <laughs> so i'm i don't know that i'll finish this because again it takes me so long to read these because i get out of like if i stop paying attention for four seconds i'm like reading the wrong way, and I'm like, that sentence didn't make any sense, and then I keep going, and I'm like, this whole book doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so then I have to restart, it's just a big nightmare, but this is cute. Like, I also am interested in the other ones, so Lydia, if you find some of those, let me know how they are. Will do. Also, random thing, it's super cute because he finally decides to name him, and it he names him Suteichi, which is essentially Japanese for Stitch or uh, discarded one, I think is what it said. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Stitch goes, no, Stitch. <laughs> That's so cute. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I definitely enjoyed that little scene about the translation when he named him. That was that was kind of a fun little tidbit about how that translates and like what it means. Um, this is fun. I like it. It's it's a little weird to have that classic manga anime style with Stitch. Um, it, it the uh, animation styles are, are well, I mean, the I don't know. It's just a little offsetting for me. Um, I think my favorite moment so far was when they brought in all of the um, like the mechanics to try and fix his ship, and it's basically turned it into a boat and it's not going to fly at all. And Stitch is like, he literally wanders away from everything at that point. He's like, I can't, I can't deal with you people. Like, what? Yep. Like, <laughs> Again, relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Reasons I love Stitch. <laughs> so before we get to our next review, we've actually got a press release uh, from Valiant that kind of ties into this book. And me being the, uh, the coffee fiend that I am, I'm really excited about this. So Valiant is partnering with Greek Grind Coffee Company to, reduce, uh, to release, I'm sorry, uh, two Shadowman coffee roasts. Uh, there's the Spirit of the LOA Medium Roast and the Dark Roast. Uh, dark being spelled D-R- D-A-R-Q-U-E and then R-O-A-S-T-E. <laughs> Making it real fancy. <laughs> um, these are both made from 100% single source, small, light, small lot Colombian coffee from women owned farms. Um, yeah, you can purchase, uh, 
Let me see. You can purchase them on uh, Greek Grind Coffee's website. And you can even use the code GREEKISGOOD for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, hashtag not sponsored. Um, but, I mean, especially, like, in this time of, like, COVID and whatever, like, I've kind of started branching out with my coffee purchases and buying some stuff online. And I'm, especially, like, a dark roast, I'm kind of interested in this. Coffee is coffee is coffee. Right. We'll drink all coffee. <laughs> Love nerdy coffee. And we were confused because we actually buy a lot of our coffee from Geek Grind Coffee. So we're like, oh, that makes sense for Geek Grind Coffee. But then we realized you were saying Greek Grind no, Coffee. I'm saying Geek Grind Coffee. You were definitely not saying Greek. No, you, you were saying yeah. Greek, like people from Greece. Was I? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Because I'm like over here Googling it like, what's Greek Grind Coffee? <laughs> yeah. It's Geek Grind Coffee. That makes oh, so much more sense. It makes more sense. And that actually is really cool because, like, some of their stuff is really good. So, yeah. like, to pair with Valiant and, like, the Shadow Man comic, that should be fun. Yeah. yeah. They have some great – they've done some, like, great, like, movie pairings and stuff with their coffee. And we've ordered a, more than a couple, like, things from them. Yeah. So good. Still hashtag not sponsored. And also hashtag Mitch needs to learn to enunciate. Um, <laughs> Are but, we now the Greek awareness? Then? <laughs> Let me add it to the list. <laughs> I mean, at that point, are we just like adapting Mama Mia for a podcast? Yes. <laughs> and that's where I lead. Bye, guys. <laughs> um, you're like the most musical person of us. Like, no, you can't leave. Yeah, but I don't leave. like it. <laughs> Fair. So anyway, speaking of Shadow Man, uh, Shadow Man number one is out now from Valiant. It's by Cullen Bunn and John Davis Hunt. So Jack uh, Boniface, aka Shadow Man, is on a mission to find out why the veil between humanity's world and the dead side is tearing apart. Um, this book is interesting because it's clear that. It's clear that there's more to this story, like, before we get to this. But at the same time, it's a really, really good jumping on point. Um, there are some things where it's like, oh, hey, I kind of, you know, I kind of need to go back and, you know, figure some things out. But at the same time, like, it didn't hinder the story for me at all. Um, <clears throat> that said, I love a story that's set in New Orleans, especially with, you know, the the lore, I guess, you know, that mm -hmm. New Orleans has. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, this first issue, it had just a, um, just a touch of creepiness. I feel like we're going to get way more creepy as the series progresses, but like, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, Matt, what'd you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I actually think my, like, hands down, my favorite character, as much as I enjoyed um, Shadow Man, and I really want to know more about his like powers and like what all he can do because I feel like as this goes along, we are going to find out that he can do more and more and more than you know what we have just been you know shown in this first issue. Um, but the uh, Baron Samedi, the skeleton that is along with him, like 
urging him on for the beginning of this story is like he's fantastic the the art style the direction um his look it's it's great um and like after reading rogue planet and knowing like we've said like what cullen bunn can do with like a horror story as far as comics go i think this could get really good really fast tabitha what about you um, I really like this. It was like a voodoo detective, like noir detective, um, horror, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like culty kind of thing. Like this had a lot going on, but it didn't ever feel like super overwhelming. Um, I agree with Matt. Like that was like one of my favorite characters that like, who I'm assuming is some kind of like voodoo priest mm-hmm. kind of situation. Um, I'm always down for more New Orleans, like everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> because you know, I can't, I can't go there right now. So, um, my only kind of gripe was the part where it made me feel like it was like a noir detective was like that narration, and I'm like, bro, like quit talking in your head, Dick Tracy. Like that kind of bothered me, <laughs> but other than that, like I, I had no complaints, and like. I am always that person that complains about being dropped in the middle of something. We got dropped in the middle, but I wasn't mad about it because they gave me enough so I knew what was going on. Finally, uh, we're going to talk about Kitchen Witch. It's out May 26th from uh, 215 Inc. It's by Steve Orlando and Olivia uh, Pelez. So in this book, young Kevin is determined to help his dad with his dad's new restaurant. Uh, In the process, Kevin is transported to a magical land and a witch uh, comes along to help find Kevin's dad's secret ingredient. Uh, I was talking off air. My phone decided to be real weird and completely crap out on me. And so I didn't get a chance to finish this book. I got about halfway through. But like so far, I'm really enjoying this book. Um, It's a cute story. It's a uh, this kid, you know, is just like he's transported this world and he's just like, yes let's do this you know he's willing to overcome pretty much anything and everything um to complete his mission tabitha what do you think um so i didn't really know what i was getting into with this because i didn't look anything up about it i just kind of started going and guys that kid got on my nerves like real hard real fast like i really liked this story but if they had aged that kid up to like a teenager or like a young adult, I would have been way more into it. But he gave me Peter Parker vibes, and I finished it, but I didn't. I didn't love it. Um, I did like. I want to know more about the Kitchen Witch. Like, I want her story. I want her to take on that mission without that child. Mostly is what I wanted. But here we are. Um, I wish there had been more like cooking aspects and like more cooking puns because like every once in a while they'd give you one they'd like throw one out like cast iron island i'm like oh cute and then like the next thing they would do would be not related and i'm like if you're gonna do it do the whole thing don't just give me a taste (laughs) (laughs) Uh, man i've been hanging out with you guys too long um (laughs) i haven't even really seen you for a year (laughs) i know um all in all i really i liked I liked what they were trying to do. I just didn't really care for how they did it. So I don't know. I have a hard time reading things about kids because I just get 
Like, I'm like, oh, my God, why are you the way that you are? And then I'm like, oh, because you're a child. Um, but is what it is for me. <laughs> Matt, what do you think? Um, I'm going to echo Tabitha on a few points here because as much as I definitely do, you know, have kids, this kid was kind of obnoxious. Like, he's asking a gazillion questions, which, I mean, I guess kids do, but, like, I don't know. There was something about the way that he was going about it, which just seemed a little, I don't know, I guess annoying to me. Um, and, and like, I don't know. I understand that the witch was kind of trying to prod him into like solving the problems on his own. Um, but I don't know. That could have been, I don't know. I feel like that could have been done a little bit differently. Um, I mean, overall, I enjoyed the idea. I liked what they were going for. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I would love more of the world where the gremlin King and the witch, the kitchen, witch, um, like existed, like I, I, I kind of would have liked a little bit more, I guess, world building as far as how that came to be. But, um, yeah, overall I enjoyed it. It was a good, it was a quick read. It was fun. All right, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So we've got uh, a double dose of guilty pleasure, uh, guilty pleasure slash Taylor Trick. Or Jesus, how about I just start over? So we've got a double dose of guilty pleasure or dumpster fire tonight. Uh, but in the spirit of watching movies, it's only fair that before we talk about movies, we have a trailer takedown, and we're going to start tonight. Uh, I didn't give you guys the matchups beforehand. Uh, Tabitha, I'm pretty sure you're not going to like me for this. But we're going to start off with pitting um, Lin-Manuel Miranda against himself uh, with Vivo versus In the Heights. And I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, oh, man. I knew I really, you were going to do this. I don't like you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Very different films, so maybe I can do this. So I didn't even know Vivo was a thing until Matt's brother-in-law, Rob, who I'm pretty sure is like the Geek Awakens number one fan, um, messaged me and he's like, did you see the new Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk item? And I'm like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? And so Rob scooped me, which almost never happens with anything ever, especially Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, but we got a little, like, it's not even really a trailer, it's just like a little snippet. Uh, Vivo, which is going to be a, an animated movie mm -hmm. on Netflix, where Lin-Manuel Miranda voices a um, grinder monkey that is named Vivo, and he puts on shows for his grinder monkey owner guy, boss, I don't know, what do you call it? Um, and he's just voicing the character, but in the, like, the little snippet, it's just, <laughs> it's so cute! Um, and then we got with the release of the release, no, with the premiere of the weird, very strangely done Oscars this year, um, we got yet another, I think it's the fourth one in the Heights trailer. Uh, it basically doesn't tell us anything too new. We got like an additional song that we haven't heard before and like a little bit more like extended versions of like some of the same scenes we've seen some of before. We had a little extra Lynn being the Piragua guy in the beginning. Um, I'm excited for this. My only, my only thing is like, 
At this point, I have listened to the In the Heights soundtrack so much. I have Lynn's voice in my head. And, uh, yep, Anthony Ramos, who's playing the same character Lynn played in the original musical and the soundtrack. Uh, sounds different. Sounds good. Sounds different. So every time I hear him singing, I'm like, you don't sound right. So because you're a monster, I'm also a monster. And I'm going to give them five and five because two can play at your games, Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, For me, um, I thought that the Vivo trailer, I mean, it was really, it really was a teaser. Um, I, it looks it looks like it has a lot of potential. And if I had a full trailer, I think that I would have, I, I feel like I would have felt a lot different. Uh, within the Heights, uh, I didn't even realize that this is like the fourth trailer that we've gotten. Uh, when I was kind of doing a little bit of research, I remembered that, that we had a trailer last summer for it or whatever. Uh, but still, like, I was like, oh, hey. Um, but for me, like, in the Heights, it did a much better job of hyping up the movie for me. Uh, I'm not like you, Tabitha. I haven't listened to the soundtrack. I'm kind of ignorant to the whole premise of the movie and the musical itself, you know, just in general. But it's like, like especially like those dancing scenes, I'm like, I'm kind of here for it. So <laughs> I'm giving In the Heights nine points. I'm giving Vivo one point. That said, if we ever get a full trailer of Vivo and it makes another appearance in Taylor Trailer Takedown, I feel like it's going to score a lot higher. Um, Matt, what about you? Um, I think I have to agree with you that when we get a full trailer, or if we get a full trailer for Vivo, that it will score higher, at least for me as well. Because um, we'll get more of the info of what the story is about and a little bit more sense of uh, you know the character. Um, I think you're right, though, too, for this In the Heights trailer. Like, I also am not super familiar with this. Um, and I feel like it kind of gives a little bit more, um, not just not just, not just story, but so much as, like, a, a point of connection to the characters um, than maybe the other ones just kind of introducing a little bit of everything. Um so I think I'm going to go seven points for In the Heights and three for Vivo. Lydia. Yeah, I don't really know much about In the Heights, unfortunately. I know it was before Hamilton. That's about all I know about it. Uh, but the trailer looked really cool. Um, definitely made me want to actually sit down and watch it and maybe listen to the soundtrack and see what it's all about. Uh, Vivo, while being a, a teaser trailer, didn't really give you a whole lot about what it is. The little bit that I did get, I have a feeling that I know a little girl that's going to like really enjoy this movie. So I'm going to go six for In the Heights and four for Vivo. So with a score of 13 to 27, In the Heights moves on. And it's going to meet the uh, the winner of West Side Story versus Sweet Tooth. Uh I am putting all my points to Sweet Tooth. Uh, I'm not super familiar with the comic. I know it exists. It's on my to-read list, but it's, full disclosure, it's super far down on my to-read list. Um, 
I know we've talked about it in the past, and I'm excited for this series. West Side Story, um, just I'm giving it zero points just based off of the trailer itself. Um, I mean, it could still be a decent movie. Uh, I am kind of familiar with West Side Story. Uh, it's I've seen it. I haven't seen it since like high school, but I know I've I know I've seen it like once or twice. Um, so like, but for me, like the trailer itself was awful in that it didn't tell you anything about the story. So if you are completely ignorant to West Side Story, then this trailer meant zero to you, and that's why I'm giving it zero points. Um, Tabitha, I know you have feelings about West Side Story, so go ahead. Um, I have no good feelings about this. <laughs> um, so as we know. My most punchable face in the world belongs to Ansel Elgort, uh, who for some reason Steven Spielberg has decided to ruin my whole Christmas this year by casting as the lead in West Side Story, which is one of my favorite musicals. Um, I'm just going to give you a snippet of the conversation between Brie and I really quick, because I didn't know this was a thing until she sent me the trailer. She sent it to me, and she said, uh, apparently Steven Spielberg remade West Side Story and it comes out in December. I said, who let him do that? She said, not us, that's for sure. And I said, no, no one asked me if that was okay. She said, I can't wait for you to see who's in it. Can't wait. I'm ready to burn it down. I watched the trailer. I sent her a string of expletives. I sent her a string of gifts where people said no. I sent her a string of Daenerys Stormborn. Targaryen burning a town alive. I sent her a gif of a man saying I will burn this place to the ground. I sent a picture of Dean Winchester punching someone in the face. And I said, I hate him so much. Then I said, give me a dragon. I will set it all on fire. Um, this gets no points. Don't know who th Steven Spielberg thinks he is. But no, go away forever. Die on fire. No, zero points. Zero. Sweet. sweet Tooth gets 10 points. Sorry, I got so worked up, I forgot about Sweet Tooth. Uh, sweet Tooth <laughs> is my favorite graphic novel run, uh, other than Saga, of all time. Um, I was kind of hesitant when they said they were going to do this TV show, and I was like, oh, they're going to screw this up. By the trailer, they did not screw this up. Also, this is going to destroy me. So... I'm just going to cry for like a week. a week solid and I'll see you guys after. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I can't wait for the episode where you're still in mid cry. That's good. That's going to be a fun one. Oh yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I just, <laughs> I very, like I cry at books sometimes. I don't think I have ever before or since cried at a graphic novel. The last two volumes of sweet tooth the second the second to last one they're like the penultimate one i cried so hard i i threw up reading a graphic novel oh god I, it was not good and then the last one i remember crying so hard it took me like 45 minutes to read the last like 10 pages i'm a crier but it was a lot so seeing that like put on the tv <laughs> is just gonna like i'm not gonna, i'm already not okay so <laughs> lydia what about you <laughs> as you're being attacked by a cat <laughs> i'm being attacked by a cat it's fine <sighs> dude okay so yeah west side story is another one of those musicals that i've never actually seen i know enough about it to know what the storyline is i've heard enough of the music to know it's not my cup of tea 
I just don't, I don't, I don't need another iteration of it in my life because I know there's already one movie version of it. There's been enough versions of it at local theater that I have never gone to see. I, this trailer, like you said, does nothing to even explain what the, the storyline is for people that may not know what it is. I, I just don't understand why we need this, which we don't. So, yeah, no. Um, Sweet Tooth, I never had heard of before, but this trailer really caught my attention. And I want to go read the graphic novel now, especially now after hearing Tabitha talk so highly about crying over it, you know. But yeah, I have to just mirror everybody else to tend to Sweet Tooth and Zero to West Side because Steven Spielberg should just sit down and not not do that. So, Matt, we don't necessarily need your points to know who's going to win, but to be fair, where are your points? I mean, would it screw everybody over if I went the other direction? <laughs> you, you have to. <laughs> You have to if you want to sleep outside, that's on you. Uh, um, no. Like, I've never seen West Side Story, sacrilege bit, though it may be. Um, but I've seen enough clips of the movie to know that this trailer, in a lot of ways, looks like one of those shot-by-shot recreations. And Steven Spielberg is fantastic, but why? Like, why would you do something that even I, who've never seen it, thinks that this is a, just a straight remake. Like, why would you do that? Um, Sweet Tooth is quickly moving up on my list of things that need to be read, especially before this arrives on Netflix. Um, this looks like Netflix has done this justice already, and it looks like all the feels. Um, so I'm going 10 for Sweet Tooth and 0 for... Uh, the remake that doesn't need to happen from Spielberg. Do you forget what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> so with a score of 40 to zero, West Side Story moves on. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sweet Tooth moves on. I think Tabitha would come through the screen and murder you. Like seriously, I, this is the first time I've ever feared for my life via Zoom. <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah. So now to finish out uh, Trailer Takedown, we are pitting up In the Heights versus Sweet Tooth. Um, Matt, I know we just talked to you, but let's start with you on this one. Um, <clears throat> as much as I'm excited for In the Heights, based on my recent, I said recent, but last year's introduction to uh, Hamilton and the brilliance that is Lin-Manuel Miranda's musicals, um, Sweet Tooth just... It's I love action stuff when it comes to TV shows and movies, and this doesn't look like there's a whole lot of action, but this just looks like it's going to be so good. Ugh, I'm going to go seven for Sweet Tooth and three for In the Heights. Lydia? Yeah, so like I said, I've never seen In the Heights, but I'm, I'll be entirely honest, watching this trailer made me want to watch it more. Um... But overall, of the two things, I think Sweet Tooth is going to be more my speed. So, for that reason, I'm going to give it a little bit more, but I'm still saying it's close. So I'm going to go six Sweet Tooth and four in the Heights. Okay. Um, I'm actually mirroring you, Lydia. 
Um, based off of these trailers alone, I am excited for both. Uh, Sweet Tooth is going to be one of those shows. Once it does drop on Netflix, I'm going to make it a priority to watch. Um, Y'all know how I am about streaming services. So me being a priority to watch, like it's still probably going to be a year and a half before I actually do watch it, <laughs> but it's still a priority. Um, In the Heights, I that's probably going to be a movie that I try to see in the theaters. Um, it just looks fantastic. But at the end of the day, I am slightly more excited for Sweet Tooth. So I'm going to go six and four. Which leaves us with Tabitha. Uh, you can't ask me to choose between Lin Manuel Miranda and Sweet Tooth. That's rude. Uh, <laughs> so, because I'm a petty Betty, I'm going to go five and five again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, with a score of 16 to 24, Sweet Tooth wins this round of trailer takedown. So, we haven't done a good guilty pleasure or dumpster fire in a while, so we figured we'd do two tonight. Um, <laughs> the first one is out on Netflix right now. It's the new um, Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer flick. It's called Thunder Force. This is what happens when you have two... Uh, middle-aged, even though Melissa McCarthy's character doesn't want to admit it, middle-aged women who become superheroes. Um, Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score of 22%. uh, But is it a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire? Uh, We're going to have, we have four questions. What's good about the movie? What's bad about the movie? Um, Would we watch it again? And then finally, is it a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire? Um, Lydia, let's start with you. What did you like about this movie? I liked the overall premise. Uh, I feel like the idea that whatever caused there to be superheroes, mainly creating super villains first, is a slightly different take on what you normally see. So I liked the idea behind that. Um, obviously, I liked one of the main characters' names. Uh, <laughs> also, her her younger self, I was sitting there going, that's me. I would do that. I would say that. So that was hilarious. Um, and there were some really good like one-liners here and there, but I feel like they were few and far between. Uh, one of my favorite lines i think of the entire movie was killing people is not a um recognized hobby i don't knit like that was such a great exchange and just such a like deadpan response like best line of the movie i think but yeah so it, it had its good qualities uh and I wish I could say more about its good qualities, but it's it started to lose me about halfway through, so I will leave that for the next part. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I agree with you. After watching it, like, I had reservations about it uh, in the very beginning. And in fact, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, because I know we've talked about this before. But, like, for me, 
I was fully expecting, like, when you first see Melissa McCarthy's suit up, I was ready for her to, like, accidentally fart because it's, you know, skin-tight leather or whatever. And I was going to turn off the movie because that's, like, the lowest of low-hanging fruit when it comes to humor. Um, but, yeah, like, but you don't get that. Uh, I guess I should also preface with both of these movies, duh, spoilers. Um, but... Uh, but that said, like, I liked the premise of this movie. This movie could have been so much more than it was. Uh, but that said, there were uh, still some other good things about it. Uh, Octavia Spencer was a was an effing gem. I loved her portrayal of Emily. Um, also, like, my only experience with Palm Clemente, for how you pronounce her last name, I apologize, uh, was as Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy. And... That's this, where I knew her from. Okay. Yes, yes. So this character is like a 180 of Mantis. And I loved seeing Palm as a badass. Just like full stop. Like she was like, she did a really great job of that. Um, also the hench, like of the henchman that Andrew, where he was like, well, my mom calls me Andy or blah, 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 blah. blah. I was like, that guy is hilarious. Like if I, if I ever <laughs> like somehow become a henchman, that's who I would be. Like, yeah, in a professional <laughs> setting, I'm more of a Mitchell, but, you know, all my friends call me Mitch. Um, <laughs> and finally, like, I'm not going to lie, like, because I did, um, you know, watch the, all the credits because it's like, it's a superhero movie. I expected them to have a spoof of like a post credit scene. They didn't. Um, but they did have a pretty kick-ass song during the mm. first portion of the end credits. So I will give them credit for that. Um, Matt, what did you think? What's good about Thunder Force? Um, the overall message of this, of this movie was not really what I expected going into it. I really, honestly, I don't know that I expected any kind of heartfelt message with this film. I expected it to be, basically like a superhero like a like a mock superhero toilet humor type of film um and that's that's not what you got um there was the family aspect there was the friendship aspect that was i, I don't know if you personally i thought was was really well done um like especially in today's society where things like diversity and inclusion are so much more important. Their friendship and the, like the crux of that friendship was <laughs> integral to the movie. And I really appreciated that. Um, I, I, I did, I do think that um, Octavia Spencer was fabulous. She played a fabulous role. Um, Melissa McCarthy, funny as always um, had some, some absolute great lines especially her Jodie Foster like dig at the, like the security chief. That was, that was fantastic. Even the security, even she knows who Jodie Foster is. Um, that was, that was great. Um, and then, I mean, obviously Jason Bateman, I, I just, he can do no wrong, even with crab claws. <laughs> uh, Tabitha, what worked with this movie for you? Um, it was really nice to see both of my personalities on TV at the same time. 
once in a while I'm like, oh my god, Emily, relatable. And then like Lydia uh, throws a bus. Throws a bus, and I'm like, oh my god, if I could only throw a bus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then the villain comes in the and I uh, what Lydia said. Like I literally wrote down the line, like. I don't knit. Like, mm -hmm. murdering people is not a hobby. Well, why not? I don't knit. What else do I have to do with my time? <laughs> so yes. it was like, honestly, all three of my personalities maybe at the same time. Um, this was fantastic. Like, I had very, like, very, 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 very few complaints about a movie I went into, like, expecting to be like, oh, yeah, can I turn it off? Um, I agree with what Matt said. Like, I was not really expecting a message. And I wasn't expecting to like tear up at the end of this movie. I'm like, we're like, not that I, I mean, I cry all the time, but like, I wasn't expecting it for Jason Bateman with crab claws and Melissa McCarthy in a leather suit. Like I wasn't expecting to cry, <laughs> but here we are. Um, there were just some terrific one-liners and nothing was cringy. And like, it held my attention the whole time, which has lately been a problem for me. Um, so just, there, there were so many good things. Mostly, mostly, I really enjoyed seeing both my personalities. <laughs> so there were there were good things, but there were some not so good things. Uh, first off, let's be honest. Like, you know, um, Emily and Lydia, they grew up in the '80s and early '90s. There is no way that Emily didn't know who Urkel was. Like, right. like to be fair, I did not know who Urkel was until I was much older than you would think. But still. How? Like, but no, like, there, there, I, I, don't, I don't buy that argument. Especially, especially with this show being set in Chicago, much like Family Matters was set in Chicago. Like, yeah. no, she was called Urkel multiple times. She had to have been. Also, there's no way, and I'm talking about the character Lydia, not our co-host Lydia, there's no way that Lydia can be as dumb as she is sometimes. Um, Thank you for clarifying. You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, you know, like case of point, like when I wrote down, like, you know, like when she was meant to say mortality, but kept saying morality. And she was like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure it's morality. Like, no, nobody's that dumb. Nobody's that dumb. Okay, maybe somebody. I, <laughs> I know a lot of people that are way more dumb than that. I know people who would blow that out of the water with their dumb. <laughs> um, also, the running gag with the Lamborghini, um, it kind of, it was, it was a turnoff for me. Uh, I'm glad we didn't get anything more than those two scenes. I think they referenced it another time. But, like, if we had, like, if we had more visuals in those first two scenes, I feel like this movie would drop quite a few notches. Yeah. Um, also, that, uh, that dance, like, when we first, when Lydia first meets the crab, uh, mm. that whole, like, dance, like, vision that she has, I'm like, this is dumb. This is super dumb. But I did really enjoy that 80s perm that uh, Lydia had. Um also, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they, like, telegraphed uh, Allie's double cross. Like, I saw that one coming a mile away. Um, I feel like I've said Lydia a lot, so, Lydia, I'm going to switch to you. What didn't work for you? 
Let me to be fair, they say Lydia a lot in the movie. I think that's the most I've heard my name in an hour and a half in <laughs> forever. <laughs> but yeah, I have to agree with you on a couple of those. And I have to disagree with Tabitha on the fact that some of it was not cringy because I cringed a lot. Um, yeah. One of my problems with it uh, was it, it was so slow at times. Like, we would have been watching for like half an hour and it felt like we already would, should be at the end of the movie. Like it felt like it took forever to get to the point we were at, but I was enjoying what we were watching and everything that was going on up until the weird ass dance. Like you said, like as soon as it hit that point, everything went downhill from there. Say so that was just cringy and out of place uh, like you said, they telegraphed the double crossing like from the second she walked on screen because I pretty much was like, huh, when's she going to turn bad on us? And then it happened. So, yeah. I cringed at a lot of stuff. And then another issue I had, which I guess shouldn't be as big of an issue as it was to me, is the fact that you get to the end and the daughter all of a sudden has super speed. And they never mention it before, and they never really reference, like, oh, like, when did that happen? It's just, there she is. Like, I understand, like, hiding the fact that, okay, she's going to have powers like Mom and Lydia does. But not even a comment of, huh, when did you do that? Or anything. And they, it was just kind of overlooked. There, there was, like, a throwaway line where, like, the daughter says something along the lines of, I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. That, that's not but enough still, to me, though. I, I agree with you. It's not enough, but, like, they didn't completely ignore it. They just, like, 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
suddenly, you know, whatever. There's always a double crosser. There's always like a man on the inside being a little mole. There's always like a villain who everybody thinks is a good guy. But is actually like this was just classic textbook superhero movie with a twist. And the parts of it that bothered me were the parts where it didn't feel like that. Like the, like the weird dance scene didn't feel like it fit in. And the weird like relationship with her and Jason Bateman's character, which I, I refuse to call the crab, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> uh, like those parts didn't fit. And then you also had that like really, I don't know what you're about to say, but I feel like I do. Um, like the scene where like, his arms got cut off was just, it was not great. And I was like, I thought I was going to be more annoyed by it than I was. So I think being not as annoyed, like helped me really like it. Um, so like I said, I have very few complaints. So I don't know. Uh, Matt, what didn't you like about it? Sorry. I, you're, the whole thing with the relationship just made me think of that line about when Octavia Spencer asked if she did surf and turf. <laughs> That's not even a thing, but yeah, I totally did. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was great. Um, for me, honestly, about the only thing that really didn't work were a couple of the one-liners. Um, a couple of the jokes missed. Um, the, the king... And his gripe about being the king, like, that joke is made, I don't know, twice in the whole movie. And he makes this big, stupid stink about it at the end. But, like, it, he didn't make a stink about it until, like, halfway through the movie. So, like, if you wanted that to be a gag, you should have done it more than twice. Mm -hmm. Like, the gag missed because it just wasn't used often enough. Um and then there were a couple of Melissa McCarthy's one-liners that were a little cringy. Um, as much as I enjoyed the whole Urkel scene, it could have been about 10 or 15 seconds shorter than it was. Um, she went on, she went on a little bit longer than needed. Mm -hmm. um, but apart from that, I mean, yeah, it was, it was satirical and I kind of got that some of those things were supposed to be telegraphed and were supposed to be just, you know, laid out there but uh yeah i think probably just like those missed one-liners were probably my biggest gripe all right so would you guys watch this again um tabitha um as much as i liked it like it it takes some prior proper planning for me to have two hours <laughs> to sit down to watch a movie because i can't start it after 8 p.m because i'll fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> and i can't watch a movie like breaking it up because i lose the momentum so and then I have a you know laundry list of other movies that I would want to watch, or you know I could comfort watch Pride and Prejudice for the five hundred and fifty fourth time. So I probably wouldn't rewatch it, but I enjoyed my experience watching it, and I have now told multiple people to watch it because I think they would enjoy the like smart, punchy like thing they were trying to do with it, even though it failed in some spots. <clears throat> uh, Lydia. If I were to sit down and watch it with somebody that, like, hadn't watched it yet, maybe. But just of my own volition, I don't think I would sit down and rewatch this. Like, I was enjoying it up until a certain point, and then it just kind of fell, fell flat on me. So, I, yeah. 
I don't think I would have the like focus to try to sit down and watch it again because I would just be like, okay, I'm annoyed. I'm turning it off now. <laughs> Matt. Um, would I watch this again? Yes. Um, but I would watch this again in the way that you would watch a movie on TNT if you're flipping channels and you found nothing else to watch. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily turn this on specifically to sit down and watch it again for an hour and a half. Um, but like if I ran across it, if it was on, yeah, I, I would sit and watch this again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to mirror Lydia. Uh, if I was with somebody who wanted to watch it, I'd watch it again. Uh, and, and I wouldn't even complain about it, but would I, you know, go back and rewatch it just, by myself on, you know, like on a Wednesday or whatever. Eh, probably not. <laughs> so, um, so final question, is this movie a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire? Um, for me, this is the classic definition of a guilty pleasure. I'm never going to admit outside of this podcast, but I enjoyed myself with this movie. Uh, Matt. Um, yeah, this, this is, absolutely guilty pleasure definition. Um, and like I said, I don't know that I would go out of my way to watch this again, but I definitely enjoyed the hour and a half that we sat and watched this. Yeah. Tabitha. Uh, yeah, it's a guilty pleasure that I don't really feel that guilty about. But... <laughs> <laughs> and Lydia. See, I'm conflicted because you're right. As far as like the actual definition of a guilty pleasure, it, it definitely fits. But my problem is it was a guilty pleasure for like half the movie. And then it lost the like good balance it had of serious and satirical and all that. And it just kind of fell. <sighs> Overall, like I, I think I had to go dumpster fire because like you had a good thing going for a minute and then you just lost it. But Lydia, you are outnumbered. Thunder Force is a guilty pleasure. So uh, the next movie that we're going to talk about is Mortal Kombat. Um, if you are listening to this show, you, I'm fairly certain that you grew up in the 90s, and therefore you know what Mortal Kombat is. Therefore, I don't need to tell you anything about Mortal Kombat, other than right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it is at a 56%. So, you know, not great, but not awful. It's doing better than Thunder Force. But that said... <laughs> Um, what was good about Mortal Kombat? Uh, Matt, let's start with you. Um, <clears throat> as far as video game adaptations go, this was not awful. Um, there have been much worse video game movie adaptations than this film. Um, <clears throat> it actually had a halfway story. Um, <clears throat> And I really appreciated the fact that the story for this was not, hey, there's a tournament. We're going to go fight. Boom. There's your story. Like, this was almost like the prequel to the tournament, um, which I kind of appreciated. Gave not, not that you need backstory for these characters, but, like, the first, like, the, the original movie version of this was literally like, oh, there's this giant tournament. We're going to send fighters. Boom. And fight. 
Um, so it, I don't know that that I liked um, the CGI was really pretty good. Um, I, I mean, I'll talk about things that don't work later, but there were a few moments where it was a little cringy. Um, but um, the CGI overall was pretty good, and the violence. Mortal Kombat is known for its violence and its gore. Um, this definitely stuck with that theme of the video game. Um, it lived up to its name with the video game uh, adaptation for the violence. So that was that was at least a good comparison. So, Tabitha, what, what worked for you? So I went into this not expecting anything really um video game movies are usually you know just kind of for me um had this movie stayed like that first section where it was kind of like set in the past and we were you know learning about like the history even though we didn't really know we were learning about it and like filmed that way I thought that was brilliant. Like it was super well done. Like the beginning felt like a period piece, like based in Japan versus a, a super or a video game movie. And I was super impressed for a while. Um, is it weird if I say that the, my favorite part was how bloody it was? Like, <laughs> like it's it's very rare that you see like, oh god, this is all gonna make me sound awful. Like good kill scenes in movies. <laughs> Like, usually you, like, see it kind of happen, like, off in the corner or, like, they, like, whatever. They didn't shy away. Like, somebody got cut instead of just getting cut in the gut and it bleeding. They're like, oh, your intestines would fall out. And I'm like, that is scientifically accurate. Thank you. Um, like, 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 all the blood on Jax when he smashed that guy's head. Right. Like, that was... there's, there's blood happening where blood should be happening. And, like, <laughs> there's nothing that bothers me in a movie more than, like, when someone is like, I cut off your leg. And it's like, trickle 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 I'm like do you guys not know where the femoral artery is like it bothers me so I liked the violence and the gore here we are I don't know <laughs> now with just about any other movie yes I'd be like that's a little that's a little suspect I might have to call somebody for you Tabitha but with a movie like Mortal Kombat, I absolutely agree with you. Like, this movie is, like, if you've played the game before, you expect violence. You expect, you know, to have somebody's spine ripped out. Um, and it's just as bloody and violent as I expected it to be. Um, also, to Mere Thunder Force, the music during the, you know, during the credits, you know, the, the Mortal Kombat theme, I was like, yes, I'm, I'm here for this. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> Also, um, right up until about the time that, you know, he switched sides, like, Kano was one of my favorite characters. I was like, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, he's a little bit of a smartass, and it's kind of right up my alley. And it's kind of a shame, because, like, once he turned to the other side, for me, he kind of lost some of that smartassness. Yeah. And, and I'm not including that in the negative parts of it, but that's just kind of a thing. It's just kind of a character change, and that's that was weird for me. Um, also, uh, Liu Kang was one of my go-to characters. It was either him or Sub-Zero, depending on I'm the younger brother, so therefore I was always the one who had to choose second. So depending on who my brother chose, um, you know, I was one of those two. But uh, Liu Kang was one of my favorites. He was one of my go-to players. So, and I thought that uh, Ludi Lin did a great job of bringing that character to life. Uh, also, 
speaking of that, uh, when his first fight scene with, I think it was Kano, uh, he did the multiple leg sweep thing. Um, <laughs> especially really young Mitch, who didn't quite understand combo moves. That was basically <laughs> all I did. So I was like, I, <laughs> for like five seconds, I thought that I was playing Mortal Kombat. <laughs> um, Lydia, what did you think? See, in reverse to Thunder Force, I thought this whole movie had a great balance of, like, serious and campy. Because overall, the movie had a a pretty serious tone to it. But then you add in all the, like, over-the-top bloody effects to it that would just look very campy. And all the, like, callbacks to the video game, the little one-liners, like, get over here, and things, things like that. It was such a good balance between the two and i'm not gonna lie mortal kombat was not one of my like go-to fight games i was always a soul caliber kind of girl but i know enough about the games that every one of those one-liners and every little callback to the the games struck me like i was amused by it i kind of let out this giddy little giggle every time one of those things happened and the people that they chose to play, especially like Sonya and Kano, were perfect, in my opinion. They did such a great job of portraying those characters. Uh, Sonya was definitely one of my favorites. She's always been a kind of favorite character of mine anyway, and the actress they chose for that was really good. But, like, yeah, this... I was not expecting a whole lot going into this because video game movies don't have a great history, but I feel like this kind of redeemed some of them. Like, this this was really good. <laughs> um, Lydia, let's stick with you and talk about what you didn't like about it. The cat muted me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sure, blame it on the cat. <laughs> the cats are against me tonight. <laughs> no, but there's really not that much, to be quite honest with you, that like I didn't like. Even sitting here trying to think of something, I can't think of anything that really stuck out to me. I know there were some things that the person I was watching it with didn't like, but they didn't mean really anything to me because I don't know enough about the like lore, I guess, of Mortal Kombat to have issue with it. But, yeah. I honestly can't think of anything that really stuck out to me as being wrong. <laughs> I don't like how you have your shame bell like ready to go. Oh no, I'm just I'm having ADD problems today, and I'm like in a thousand <laughs> different worlds right now. Fair enough. So, in one of the worlds, I'm holding my bell. <laughs> <laughs> so, what didn't work for Mortal Kombat for you? Um, Game oh, <laughs> um, how much time? No, I'm kidding. Um, kind of half this movie. No, probably. Less than half. Uh, uh, felt like it got accidentally directed by Zack Snyder because, like, they would <laughs> slow-mo it down. And I'm sure it was a harkening back to the video game, which was fine. Like, mm-hmm. I expected those things. But sometimes when they would slow it down, like, they would slow it down, and then, like, the next scene would be sped up, and then the next scene would be slowed down, and the next scene would be sped up. And I'm like, oh, my God. I have whiplash. Please pick one. Um, I did forget to mention something that I did like. Like, where do I get a yo-yo knife? <laughs> like we're watching the movie and every time that it was used I was like oh, I get one of those like and then I'm like thinking about all the tricks I can do and how I can probably stab my eye out anyway. um there I'll stab were, your eye out at least right? a garden gnome oh, oh. <laughs> oh. 
That also worked for me. That was great. Um, <laughs> what's his name at the end? The reincarnated guy that crawled Scorpion. out of hell. Sure. Scorpion. Taking the mask on and off like a tr oh. like a trumper in the grocery store when they think <laughs> the cashier can't hear them. Pissed me off. Be like I was so like if it, that had not been at the very end of the movie, I would have I would have turned it off because he was like he would talk and then he would just like <laughs> and I'm like just. Just either speak or shut up. Pick one because I have I have post traumatic Republican disorder from people <laughs> taking off their masks. But anyway, I'm like real. I hate watching people like pull their masks down to talk more than I hate anything in the entire world. And I don't know how many people I've gone. I either can hear you through the mask, or you, or I don't need to hear you. Those are your options. Um, there were plot holes all over. My note literally says. There are plot holes all over the GD place because they were just left, right, center. And honestly, now I can only remember like three of them. But every time I caught one, I was like, plot hole, plot hole, plot hole. Like, it, oh, so bad. Um, and where did her purple bangles come from? Like, it takes everybody like a real long time to find their arcana, arcane power. And all of a sudden she's like, I killed that Australian guy. I have purple bangles. Like, that was one of my big plot holes. Um, <laughs> God, I don't yeah, even... My notes just were very, very ragey. Um, and, like, <laughs> again, like, I liked the, like, moments where they, like, kind of flashback to the video game. And, like, I don't know anything about the lore. I've watched people play it. I'm a pretty good button masher with fighting games when I need to be. Um, but mostly I was just annoyed. <laughs> I watched it and I was entertained, but, like, I kept, like, going... I at the TV, like, I, I'm really sorry, Matt, I had to watch this thing because I wouldn't shut up about all the things I was complaining about, so. So, uh, Matt, what didn't you like about it? Um, I have to echo type the sentiment that the plot holes, I mean, you could drive semi-trucks through some of these. Like, as much as I enjoyed the visual aspect of the beginning of the movie, like, Scorpion, or whatever his actual character's name was, was like 50 yards from the house getting water. Everybody gets murdered, and he's completely oblivious until it's too late. Like, bro, where you been? You've been getting water for three hours. What happened? <laughs> like, that... <laughs> like, you can see the house behind him, and right. I'm like, you're a ninja, that, are, you, are you deaf? Like, you are, are the, you... <laughs> you are the world's worst ninja. <laughs> then you're the best. any of that coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, for me, the biggest thing was just that, I mean, and yes, it's a video game adaptation. I get that. But there were some some pretty glaring plot holes. Like, the, you, had, you had a big plot hole to start the movie, and you had a big one for me at the end with all of a sudden Scorpion just shows back up again. Like, you've been stuck in hell for generations, and now all of a sudden you can just pop back into this realm? Like, why? How? Where'd you come from? Like, well, I know where he came from, but like, how? <laughs> thanks. Um, but like, there was absolutely zero explanation of how he was able to like come back into the Earth realm. Um, from that, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> that. That just didn't make any sense to me at all. Um, and I got about halfway through this movie, and I'm like, we paused it to take a bathroom break, and we paused it. And, like, the little bar comes up on the TV and we're like, oh, God, there's, like, a whole other hour of this movie? Like, and it wasn't that the movie drug anywhere. Like, it didn't 
feel like it took it didn't really feel like it took two hours, but it also there was no reason for this movie to be two hours. There just there there was not. Um and like the other plot hole that really bothers me is that the bad guy knows where this secret temple is and just decides to show up and he's going to start beating up the heroes, but with a lightning strike, he can just create this force field and nope, you can't get in anymore. Like, huh? <laughs> like you have a really bad secret hiding place. If the bad guy already knows where it is and can show up whenever he wants. Raiden is done with Fine. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of bored during parts of this movie. Uh, basically, whenever somebody wasn't getting uh, brutally murdered, I found myself checking Facebook more often than I really should have. Um, also, why did they make Cole look like Aquaman? <laughs> oh. hey, yeah, you're right. That is a good question. That armor? Yeah. yeah, I was I was not a fan of that. And like, and it's not even because I did research it before I put, you know, put that down as something that I didn't like because outside, like after like Mortal Kombat two or three, like I haven't played any of the games. So I was like, okay, well, if that's how the character normally looks, then fine, I'll give it a pass. But this is like, Cole was an original character for this movie. So it's like, uh, they chose that costume. Like, and <laughs> it was still that bad. Like, no, thank you. Um, also, you had kind of mentioned this earlier, Matt. Uh, those special effects and CGI, they're not going to age well. They no. barely looked okay for 2021. Um, if we revisit this movie in 2041, uh, we're going to be really embarrassed at how they look. <laughs> <laughs> so would we watch this again? Uh, I don't know, maybe. Um, if I'm in the mood to just turn off my brain for a couple hours, I think that I would put this back on. Uh, I think it was good enough for a second watch. I don't think that it's going to be something that I, you know, kind of like watch and dissect again. Um, it's going to be something like, oh, hey, I'm putting away laundry or filing comics or something like that. And I have this on in the background. Uh, Tabitha. Um, if I ever wake up and choose violence one day and I can't take my violence out on the people that I want to take my violence out on, I might watch, like, I found, I actually already found it. Someone has already cut the, uh, the extraneous scenes and literally just given me the violence on YouTube. So <laughs> that's out there for anyone who's interested. Um, but no, like, I'm not actively ever going to turn this movie on again. Like, mostly... I kind of want to. Part of me kind of wants to because now that I've seen the whole thing, I want to like figure out where all the plot holes are and then like write a strongly worded letter to whoever the hell wrote this movie. But I'm not gonna. Um, so no, no, I'm not rewatching it. Lydia, I definitely would rewatch this again. Um, like I said, I think it was a good balance of both serious and campy, and the little quips that were relating back to the video game were great to me. And I understand what you're saying about the CG, but in some things, I think it was kind of meant to be that way. I feel like they kind of like were over the top about how goofy it was in on purpose. So that didn't bother me. Uh, one thing I did think about while Matt was talking, uh, one thing that I do remember now is that they never really mentioned the 
baby girl. Like they mm-hmm. allude to the fact that he's she's related to Cole like somehow, but they like never really mentioned it. I I kept waiting for them to be like, oh yeah, you are the baby, and like no, he shout that was a girl. You said so, but yeah, I would absolutely watch this again. Plot holes or not, like I I just had fun watching this movie. <laughs> Matt, uh, despite the fact that this is probably one of the better movie video game adaptations i don't know that i would ever actually sit down for two hours and watch this again so final question is this a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire um tabitha let's start with you um despite my love of violence um and the blood and the gore in this like (sighs) plot holes alone i got i think i gotta go dumpster fire like if this was a book i would have put it in the fire and I am kind of sad. I can't do that with this movie. So dumpster fire. Uh, Matt. Um, yeah, I think regardless of, like I said, you know, one of the better video game adaptations, um, the plot holes are, are just too much. The CGI is not going to age. Well, we are going to already tell that. Um, and, and despite their ability to um, nail those one-liners that harken back to the video game and give that the like nostalgia feeling, I'm going to have to say Dumpster Fire. Lydia? Am I going to be the odd one out on both of these movies? This <laughs> was definitely a guilty pleasure. This was so much fun to me. Like... Like I said, I wasn't a huge Mortal Kombat nerd, so some like I feel like I can kind of forgive some of the like plot holes and stuff because it's a fighting game. So if you're gonna base a movie off that, there's gonna be some. But I would definitely watch this again. I had a lot of fun with it, so it's a guilty pleasure to me. Um, yeah, I didn't hate it. Uh, I. I think I'm going to go, I had originally written down a dumpster fire, but I think I'm actually, after thinking about it more and more, I think I'm going to go guilty pleasure on it. Uh, Similar to Thunder Force, it's not going to be something that, you know, I'm not going to put it on Facebook where, you know, like, oh, this is one of my favorite movies. Like, it's definitely not one of my favorite movies. Um, If somebody asks my opinion and like, I know that they've never even heard of this podcast, I'll probably be like, oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but I didn't hate it. (laughs) Liar. <laughs> and, <laughs> and who knows? Like, you know, like I may I may come across it again like in a year or two and give it another shot. So yeah, I'll go guilty pleasure on it. So Mortal Kombat is both a guilty pleasure and a dumpster fire. Um, okay. At we- least I'm not outnumbered. I feel good about that. <laughs> um we have gone on super long. Do we want to talk about the other story that we had planned for tonight? Or do we want to call it a night? I mean, we're already here. <laughs> I, can, I can wrap it up in 20 words or less, probably. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk about it. Okay. We're going to talk about the beaver? Okay. So, <laughs> a beaver... Or a group of beavers, which I don't know what the technical term for a group of beavers is, um, caused an internet outage in Canada. And if you've ever heard anything more Canadian other than free healthcare, I don't know what it is. 
Um, they actually caused about 900 people in Tumblr Ridge, which is just outside of the Rockies in uh, British Columbia, uh, to lose their internet connection for the weekend. Uh, the beavers uh, had chewed through the cable at multiple points and had also began using parts of the internet infrastructure to build their dam. <laughs> um, the cable is buried about three feet underground and Ooh. protected by a four and a half inch thick conduit. The beavers chewed through the conduit before chewing through the cable in multiple locations. That's um, a damn shame. Uh, <laughs> close my mouth. Uh, something I did learn while reading this story um, is that beavers are the national animal of Canada, which kind of checks out. Let's get real. I don't know why I assumed it was a moose. I mean, I would have thought a moose. I would have, like, I thought, of, I was like, that's weird. Isn't it a moose? Nope, it's a beaver. Who knew? Um, but yeah, beavers just, you know, causing, causing problems trying to build their homes. Um, and then the article, the same article that I found, did remind me of that time that the um, baboon fell on that, like, power thing. Baboon didn't die. It, like, electrocuted it, but it was fine. And it knocked out power in Kenya, I think, for, like, five days because a baboon fell into a power line. Oh my god. It just it just brings me joy. But yeah. I mean those beavers had to work at that to get to that pipe. To get to that three feet underground through four inches four and a half inches of like coating to get to the wire. Like they really just want to build a house, guys. Like also you said they were using part of the internet infrastructure to build their house and I'm just picturing them Logging in. <laughs> so they were, they were determined little beavers. Also, by the way, a group of beavers is called a colony. Oh, that's not as creative as I had hoped. That disappoints me. <laughs> <laughs> what would you prefer a group of beavers to be called? A dam. Damn it. <laughs> like, yeah. A dam of beavers? A dam of beavers. Or, <laughs> a, I don't know. Or, like, I don't know. <laughs> Like a bucket beavers. Ooh, Ooh that's a, a good one. I like bucket of beavers. I could get behind that. I'll I'll write a letter to whoever made that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Merriam-Webster, you're gonna get a strongly worded letter. <laughs> Won't be my first one or my last. <laughs> Specifically to like the dictionary people. I get real angry sometimes about the way that things are named. I like irrationally mad about words that I have no control over existing. It's fine. <laughs> but I feel like it's perfectly rational for you. Yeah, right. Nobody else but <laughs> me. I'm like, I'm so angry. <laughs> and it just works. So before you get angry at any other words or phrases or whatever, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next week. But in the meantime, be sure to follow us on social media. We'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody say bye. 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 Bye.